What's up, bikers? Welcome to episode 169 of the Biker Bar Podcast. Super stoked to be here. The beginning of the new year, 2023. What else can I ask for? I'm I'm glad that all of you guys have decided to join me. And those of you that are watching on YouTube, you'll see that uh, some of the formats changed on the screen. So I got this new fandangled device for Christmas, and uh, we'll see we'll see how bad it screws everything up. But in the meantime. I definitely appreciate all you guys being here. I also want to talk about, I have a couple of new sponsors for this year and I'm super stoked about it. So as you guys know, I picked up that Fazari at the end of the year. I really didn't want to like it, but somehow it just dug right into my soul. And uh, I really been digging that bike. I never thought the day would come that I would stop uh, riding Santa Cruz bikes, but here we are. Anyway, so this this next year, I'm going to be, be riding primarily the the fazari bikes so you'll see a bunch of that on the, the biker channel as well as me talking about it on here so if you guys want to take a look go over to fazari.com check them out they've got some good deals still going like pretty much everybody in the industry right now but anyways yeah go take a look at them one of the things i really like the most about their website is the ability to customize your your builds a little bit a little bit more granular than a lot of other companies so they have a, a pretty awesome fit program as well so check them out definitely worth your time aside from that it's also tasco that um, i'm working with this year so you guys are very familiar with tasco mtb they've been around for a long time making gloves and pants and things of that nature um definitely super comfortable stuff um if you i i know the one complaint that pretty much everybody has about tasco is that it's expensive and i get it so if you use the code biker b1ker you'll save a little money and uh, that'll that'll make me look even better. So if you're thinking about swinging over there, um, do that. Go swing by, take a look. Um, I really can't highly, or I really highly recommend their shorts and their pants. So I I really dig the the comfort of of the gear that they put out. So swing by, use the code biker b one k e r. Anyways, enough of all that. We're gonna go ahead and bring Amanda on screen. And let's see if I can do this. All these toys I got going on here. What's going on, Amanda? Oh, what's up? Dude, congrats on using the stream deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really thought it was going to go bad, but it didn't seem like it was too bad. So, <laughs> yeah. so how was your, uh, your, your holidays, New Year's and Christmas? My holidays were fantastic. It was uh, very restful. Was able to heal the body, heal the mind, catch up on sleep. And I was actually in your neck of the woods in California. Um, oh, really? The first time I've been there. Yes. And uh, met up with a couple friends. I don't know if you know uh, Mark Hill from the segment. Um, we were up in in his part of the woods riding in like the Temecula Marietta area. We went down to San Clemente and rode some of the dirt jumps over there. Um, I got to tell you, I've ridden in a lot of places um, in the country, in the world, and I was so surprised at California. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and I, I do not want to sound negative when I say this, but part of me was thinking, man, California, the birth, birthplace of mountain biking, there's so many trails here. Is it going to be a little stuck up? Is it going to be a little gatekeepy? But I will tell you, I met the nicest, most stoked people I've ever interacted with every, anywhere on those trails. Um, everywhere I went, people were like stoked to show me a new trail give me beta on something. Um, it was insane. I tell you, I'm already planning my next trip back. I, I, I was blown away at the trails. That's really rad. You know, it's good to hear something like that because yeah. um, 
You, you never know what people are going to say when they start out with California wasn't what I expected. <laughs> no, I know. I know. And I was, like, I was like, man, like everyone's going to be like, oh, get out of here. Like these are our trails type of thing. And it was crazy. Like there was this very specific moment. Um, we were at Greer, Greer Ranch in mm -hmm. uh, Temecula and my husband and I were riding together and we were just kind of talking amongst ourselves pretty quietly. Like, oh, I wonder what that is. Or I wonder what's over there. And this guy, without us asking, was like, hey, I'm a local. Can I help you with anything? And he just like put on his guide hat and just completely told us all about the area, all about the trails. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it, get, it did make me kind of look back on myself and say, wow, like the next time I'm on my own local trail system and I see someone who's maybe new to the sport or someone who's not familiar with the area, like take the time to stop and say hi, because you meet some really cool people out there when you do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's definitely, um, I will say to you that the riding in Southern California compared to Northern California is very different, like geographically. Really? So like, like the, the trains are, are very different. So okay. if you're, you're riding up here, I mean, I mean, California is such a big state. So it's, it, it's just, it's, it's so weird. I mean, you could be in, in like Santa Cruz and it feels like you're in the PNW depending yeah. on the time of the year Dude, i know and then, I, I mean, like, literally our next trip yeah. we were like oh we're gonna stay in north la and i was like we should go check out tahoe and then we looked at google maps and i was like mm, that's like a nine hour drive <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's quite the distance i am um, i'm originally from pennsylvania and i'll have friends of mine that'll be like, Hey man, I'm going to be in San Diego. You want to meet up for lunch? And I'll be like, dude, no. next time I go to Florida, how about you meet me for lunch? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So always, always a good time. So yeah, no, it was special though. How were your holidays? Good, good, man. You know, I, I can't complain. Honestly, it was, it was pretty rad. My kids came out and, and visited. Yeah. So they're both uh, adults now. So that's a little different, but uh this was the first time that they were both 21. So we all went to the bar together. That was uh -oh. interesting. Was it classy? <laughs> huh? Was it classy? Oh, yeah, yeah. We always keeping it classy. Oh, keeping it classy. Bar, right? <laughs> <laughs> but overall, no, I had a great time. I, I think Wait. it's kind of the same thing as you, um, you know, just kind of relaxing and stuff. This yeah. this time of year, for me, I always go through this extremely lazy I don't want to do anything kind of uh, yep. of thing. And uh, oh, there was like one year, a couple years ago where I was like, I, I was, I was going to hit 300,000 um, feet of elevation on, on Strava. Oh, and, I, and I was at like 280 or two, I was like 30,000 feet off. Yeah. And that was the only year that I've been like, you know what? I'm going to push, you know? And, and I ended up getting that like 30 K done, but usually it's like, as soon as, uh, uh, Thanksgiving hits, I get uber lazy. I'm just Dude, like, you know what though, man, I'm, I'm with you right now. And I think part of me could be pretty stressed and be like, Oh, I got to keep training. I got to keep riding. But also like when we live in places where you can ride year round, you yeah. have to realize that pretty much the rest of the world is taking an off season. And that sometimes I feel guilty about like forcing yeah. an off season, but you know what, if I'm lazy and I want to do something else for a couple of weeks, Sometimes I think that's good for you and good for your riding, you know? Yeah. 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 I think it is, you know, and, and typically right now, you know, beginning of January, it's like, all right, yeah, got to get back on it, you know, yep. and, and I hear if you, it's man. Raining the bunch or whatever, it's like, okay, 
plug in the trainer and get back on that struggle bus you know, I know. oh i hate my trainer i love it but i hate it <laughs> yeah last year we got so much rain that it was the first time that i ever decided to use zwift yeah because because in northern california like typically it doesn't rain a, like a ton consecutively yeah so um most of the time like i could just squeeze in the mountain bike rides or the road rides like right in through the rain you know yeah. And last year it was just so much where I broke down and did it. And let me tell you, I've never done a structured training plan before like that. And oh my God, I hated that trainer with like more than anything <laughs> I ever hated in my life. I was going to say, I was like, it's either going to go, you hated it or you bought all the Lycra, you threw out all the Tasco clothes and you went full bib mode and right? just on the trainer. <laughs> yeah, I probably should. Um, go full on in but there's something about it man you don't want to see a guy my size in the lycra dude i don't i don't want to see me in lycra <laughs> so how'd you get into mountain biking what was what was the start yeah, for you dude yeah so i i grew up surfing um it was surfing skating uh riding uh, motocross occasionally and uh i actually moved to the midwest i went to school in the midwest and and eventually ended up starting my professional career in the midwest and uh, so this is like Iowa, um, mm -hmm. Missouri area. So, you know, cornfields are my new seas. Uh, there's no there's no high tide or low tide to look at anymore. It's just, is it going to be freezing and icy? And so I was getting like, honestly, pretty bored. And um, I don't know, like as, a, as an adrenaline junkie, when you don't get that regularly, you're like, oh God, like I need something to fill the void. Like it almost feels a bit like, oh, I'm an addict at this point. And so I picked up in college, this 1993 26 inch steel uh, iron horse mountain bike. And I was like, I had a road bike and I like used it to like get to class and stuff, but man, I freaking hated it. And one of my coworkers was like, you should really try mountain biking. And so I was like, all right. So I went on Craigslist, found this like $300 bike and uh, took it out to like a local trail. Like I asked someone like, where do you ride at? And someone found me this like really tiny, like city trail system. To be honest, dude, I couldn't tell you if that trail system was like amazing or terrible, but I had so much fun. Um, two and a half miles into the ride, my cranks fell off and uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, this must be normal. Like this must be what happens to mountain bikers. So I'm like walking this bike out and like literally go to a hardware store, buy, buy an eight mil Allen key. And I just had that thing in my back pocket for like the first year of riding on this like clapped out iron horse. And it's a pretty interesting experience because I didn't actually start riding with someone. I think a lot of people's experience starting mountain biking is like having a friend who's in it or having someone who's better than you to kind of show you the ropes. And dude, I was clabbering around the trails like a jabroni for like a year with my little eight mil Allen key, just having a good time. Like didn't know what Strava was, didn't know what trail forks was and was just like, getting better like thinking i was sending it off these like huge features but you know it's like a little paver you know going over a route and uh after college we moved to kansas city and that's really where my mountain biking i would say blossomed so geographically kansas city's pretty close to bentonville arkansas and back when we moved to Kansas City, Bentonville, Arkansas was not the mountain bike capital of the world. It was right. a very blossoming, um, small place to ride. But we had a really small but dedicated group of mountain bikers in Kansas City. And so 
you know, you go to the group rides, you go to the women meetups and, you know, slowly get a nicer bike, a nicer bike. Eventually you start leading those group rides and going down to Bentonville and, you know, riding some of those super iconic trails. And, you know, for me, I was like, dude, this is, this is heaven. Like, this is the best mountain biking in the world. Missouri is like the coolest place you could ever ride bikes, which to be totally honest with it, everyone's like, oh man, Missouri's flat. Like the Midwest is so flat, but the riding there was all these really rocky bluff lines. So basically every trail was right next to a river and it was all these like, you know, technical moves up and down all these little bluffs and, and uh, you know, all volunteer built multi-use trail. And so yeah, that, that, was, that so, thing was the first thing that came to my mind, but dude. the way you're explaining it to me, it kind of reminds me of probably riding in Sedona where it's like punchy, exactly. but not, not extended amounts. Exactly. Sedona and Moab, okay. which yeah. um, I accidentally said when I was in Moab, I, uh, we were on Captain Ahab and I was like, oh, this trail reminds me a lot of insert Missouri trail. And my <laughs> friends looked at me horrified. They were like, how dare you say Moab was like Missouri? And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm sorry. But you know, it was, it was a very similar vibe. Like a lot of a lot of ratcheting up the cranks, wheel lifts, tight turns, and things like that. Um, and so, if you said that in BC, you might not be here today. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, and so um, I love, you know, I love it there. And, and my husband and I did move out west for work, and we absolutely love it. We're currently in New Mexico, and we are just happy as could be. Um, but I still do look back on Missouri and Arkansas so fondly. Um, made such fantastic friends, fantastic connections. Um, it got me on the Pink Bike Academy back a couple years ago, um, which was a really, really great opportunity to share and highlight that area and just represent some of the lesser known areas of mountain biking. Right on. Well, since you mentioned that, Cam McCall just so happened to pop into the- Oh, uh, hi, Cam. Oh my gosh. Uh, very, very good to hear hello to you, sir. I hope you're doing well, dude. <laughs> and so how was it that you ended up on Pink Bike Academy. Uh, I, I don't freaking know. Ask Cam. I guess no. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we so I, I was there I like some kind of uh, like a entry kind of thing, yeah, like road rules so back easy. in the day. You had to fill out like a postcard. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a huge questionnaire, and you had to submit a video of your personality and then a video of your riding. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just super funny because a lot of my friends were like, "Oh, like I should do that. I should try that." And I was like, "Dude, like." the application is public. Like literally anybody can go fill it out, but it was a pretty funny right. application. Cause you know, it asks you about your aspirations and who you are and this and that. And then it goes in and asks you what, how many teeth do you want on your chain ring? Do you want uh, Shimano or SRAM? Do you ride Fox or RockShox? So it was like, it's oh, kind of a funny questionnaire that was like, Hey, like if, and when we build your bike, how many teeth do you want on your chain ring? And I was like filling it out. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't even know if I know how many teeth are on my chain ring at home. <laughs> no, dude. I mean, it was literally just a long weekend. My husband and I busted out the GoPro on my iPhone and put together a little 59 second about me, you know, video mm -hmm. with the voice overview and uh, shot it in. And I guess the producers liked uh, liked what I had. So yeah. Um, had you was, ever been to that area before? Oh, like, oh no, 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 never ever. Um, and that peeled back a huge veil for me when we did get there. Um, and it was funny because th there were a couple moments that I really, really remember about the experience. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, um, the show was, was, you know, great. The producers did a really, really great job. 
Um, but it was like really the experience of being there. I think a lot of people don't really realize that we were there for like six days. And some of the days were two a day challenges, um, not a lot of sleep, just because we were all like so excited. We didn't have like phones or anything. So we had no idea what was going on in the outside world. It was just this big like incubator really. But there were a few super specific moments I remember. It was going from like 700 feet to like 65 to 8,000 feet and like trying to do a race pace run there was mm-hmm. was first a challenge. And I, I'm quite fit and I, I do think I kept up pretty well with everybody, but I was like, oh, good Lord. Like we had a couple gals from Kelowna in the area and I was like, oh man, like it's their home trails, but obviously you don't want to let that get to you, right? The other thing- Yeah, I, the elevation's real though. I mean, as far so as real, like, dude. if you're used to, to riding in, in it, like, like we ride in Tahoe a lot in yeah. the summertime here. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, it it's kind of tough to like, just get like quickly acclimatized. Yeah. But it seems like as like you're going through, even though you're you're living down at sea level or close yeah. to it where I'm at, it seems like you can like, like your body's like, oh, I know what's going on. But yeah. like at first it's like, no. no. I, do. I know. Well, and it's so funny because like, I don't really remember being like so out of breath, but there was a trail at a, at the bike park that we were at at Big White. It was called Catapult Ranch. And it had this huge like rock roll into the entry. And I'm, I'm like, I've done rock rolls. Like I know what I'm doing here, you know, and I've done like a seven foot rock roll. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that rock roll was, you know, four bike lengths, five bike lengths, like to me, just gargantuan and it just felt straight down and I was talking with one of the other contestants and I was like dude like I just I need to follow you into this like I don't want to look at it I like we just need to do it because I was like I can't not do this you're like you know what I mean I'm on the show (laughs) yes and it's so funny because I'm such a huge proponent of like do not be pressured (laughs) into things but like for me it was my own thing I was like I need to do this like I know I can it's well within my reason and dude like I just remember kind of hopping over that edge and riding down that thing into that run was like insane. Such a cool experience. I mean, obviously if I go back to big white, I will happily ride that trail again, but it was just kind of some of those things that when you do look back at like the show and I watch Mm -hmm. myself going down that, I'm just like, good Lord. Like, what was I thinking? Cause I mean, especially then, like we filmed that well over a year ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have just gotten exponentially better since then. So it's kind of yeah. funny to look back and be like, holy crap, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it's it's um probably funny to hear like people's perspective when you're like, no, I was scared out of my mind, you know. Yeah. Like, and they're like, no, you look like you were like all over it, you know. I, yeah, and I was like, oh great, like I, yeah, fake it till you make it, right? But <laughs> the other thing that I really did love so much about it was as the show was um, you know, playing and, and actually coming out. I got so many like DMs and emails from people like from all over the place. Like there was a gentleman from Ohio who messaged me from Illinois, from um, like Tennessee. There was a guy from Italy who messaged me and all of these people were like, Oh my gosh, like, thank you for representing these other parts of the world. They're like, I never, I didn't even know Missouri was a thing. I didn't know you guys rode there. And that was, that was a really, really cool thing because I feel like all too often, right. in in mountain bike media, we see Squamish, we see Whistler, we see, you know, um, Val de Soleil, Southern France. And 
all those places are really beautiful, but there's a lot of magic and beauty in a lot of other parts of the world too, when it comes to mountain biking. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that I've noticed the most about traveling around and riding is that every place is so distinctively different and they may not have, you know, some of the bigger elevation that we have, especially out here on the West coast. Yeah. But the, the riding is still just as challenging and and in totally different, different ways. Yeah. Or yeah, recently, last year or the year before, I'm like I said, I was, I'm from Pennsylvania and I had gone back for something and, uh, like in my mind, I, I kind of, you know, how, how do you say it? Like, I kind of uh, was like, dude, I ride huge mountain stuff. Like, yeah, you're this like, is going to be nothing. Yeah. yeah, kind of yeah. like almost, you know, yeah. like, and um, I, I 100% got humbled that day. I mean, yeah. to the point of where, you know, I wasn't used to riding in, in trails with leaves on them. Yeah, and, it's scary. And forgetting it's that, like under yeah what's under there and and i i hit some rock or something and it just stopped me next thing you know flipped there my handlebars like yeah, my helmet you know like yeah. and it was like oh wow you know guess what <laughs> yeah things can, things can be difficult everywhere and and i don't know it just every time i go somewhere also it just really makes me realize that it, there's a lot of fun to be had all over the place and i think if you enjoy riding bikes it it's, it's even more fun doing it everywhere, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, no, it was, it was, it was really great, really eye opening, And yeah, like I said, now um, I'm living in New Mexico and this is another pretty, pretty funny state. I would say um, there's some really weird statistics about the state. Like for example, think about Kansas city, Missouri, right? A very small Midwestern city. There are more people in Kansas city than the whole state of New Mexico. And this state is like giant, right? It takes like seven hours to drive across. Um, And so like, there's really nobody here um, relatively, right? But there's some really fantastic mountain biking here. There's so much national forest and public land. And we have really, really strong trail associations here. Um, I'm not sure what your trail associations look like in your space, but like the president of our trail association, she's a a professional enduro rider. um, And, you know, she rides the trails every day, just like us. And so she advocates for stuff that we actually want. So I'll tell you right now, we have a mountain just 10 minutes away from my house that caps out at 11,000 feet. We have a professional trail company up there, machine building a brand new blue flow trail and refreshing our double black free ride trail, which is Mm -hmm. insane because it's not at a bike park. Nobody has to pay to get to it. We just pedal up and ride down it. So really, really cool examples of stuff like that, where it's like, oh, like what's, what's New Mexico got going on, but we got a lot of really good moto stuff and a lot of crazy free ride stuff here. Yeah. I was actually looking at the trails out there recently. when Like we were talking beforehand, my son recently moved out there and uh, I, I was really surprised to see how, how much was right there outside of Albuquerque, for example. It, it, um, there, there's a lot of trail systems there. Yeah. And and I was really blown away by that because I, I, I wasn't really expecting it, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, for us in North of Albuquerque, three hours North is Angel Fire Bike Park, which is mm-hmm. North like um, the United States biggest bike park. 
And so to be able to call that the home bike park is pretty sweet. Like even just this last season, I got immensely better having that in my backyard. But yeah, like it's so crazy. Like we're relatively close to Virgin, um, like the Virgin St. George, Utah area now. So my husband and I go there a lot in the winters um, for obvious reasons. That place is insane. But the desert foothills we have here are so um, like biologically similar that mm-hmm. we have a lot of guys building like insane stuff here. So kind of like when they just go to Virgin, they're kind of ready to rock and roll and don't have to do a warm up day. We have like a 37 foot step down just in our local trails that is like nine minutes away from my house. And it's just so funny because every time you ride by it, you're like, who the hell built that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the other thing that's interesting about that state is um, the geography is like rather different in the northern part of the state than it is from the southern. So it's, I guess I, I could equate it to similar to Arizona where in the south, it's like way more desert, and then in the north, it's almost gets this like high alpine kind yeah, of. Yeah, dude, it's like, like mountain lions, evergreen trees, black bears. Yeah, like the whole gambit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. What was uh, what what had like has like shocked you most about like living there compared to what you expected? Um, well, I don't know if I could say what it is versus what I expected. So that I will say is the mountain bike population here is small but incredibly talented and passionate. And it's a very young population. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but like in my old home area, a lot of the guys I rode with were older. Um, You know, they've been riding since forever, but everybody I ride with here in their early thirties, a couple guys in their early forties, dude, we have some kids who were like 19 and 20 out here seriously riding, which is great, right? Because I mean, there's programs like NICA and stuff that bring people up to the sport, but there's like 20 year old, like, doing laps around people out here which is really that was really cool that surprised me i kind of thought there would be maybe like an older um kind of population like old school population mountain bikers but we're all like pretty young and and wily which is really cool the other thing that i just wasn't prepared for and i think this is maybe moving out west in general you have to tell me coming from pennsylvania but like every animal wants to kill you here (laughs) Like, like whether it's a tarantula, whether it's a snake, it's a bear, a mountain lion. Like, <laughs> it, and it, it's so funny, right? Because coming from a place like Missouri, there's all sorts of like spiders and, and things like that. And those are more just kind of gross, mm-hmm. but nothing is really going to kill you. But like this spring, we were one of the first people on a trail system that like um, melted out. And so we were just kind of dri- like, you know, riding around, checking it out. And we're going up this green climb trail. And we saw this like friggin' smart car sized blob crossing a river, you know, 50 yards away from us. And my husband was like, oh, that's a bear. And so we stop and raise our bikes above our heads and are like, you know, like, try to like scare it away. And we hear this little squeak. It's a freaking mama bear with her cubs crossing this river. Okay. And we were like, <laughs> nope, like got on those bikes. I freaking booked it down that hill. I was like, I am in so much danger right now. And we just bolted out of there. I don't think she was chasing us or anything, but it was one of those things that was like, I'm not going to look back and see because she might just be 10 feet behind me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of those moments where it's probably better not to look. Yeah. (laughs) So I was just like, I was like, okay, like maybe I should learn some wilderness survival in case like something happens to me. (laughs) Yeah. That's the way that I felt the first time I went to, to 
Arizona because mm-hmm. I felt like everything, like even the plants want to kill you. Yes, the plants <laughs> yeah. hurt so bad. You're like, oh, this is a nice plant. And then it's like knives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it doesn't matter like which one they're, like even if it has flowers on it, it's like right next to the flowers, daggers. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I know. And it's like, oh, I guess beauty is pain out here, man. But yeah, dude, like the tarantulas here are just so gigantic as well. And um, I don't know if it has a name for it. I just call it tarantula season. But like for three weeks in October, all of the the women tarantulas come out and they're trying to get frisky and they're they're crossing <laughs> the road, they're crossing the single track, they are freaking everywhere. And uh, actually completely smashed up like two or three spokes and demolished a derailleur because a little lady tarantula was trotting around on the trail and I swerved and like ran into some like you know baby head type rocks and the rock just kicked up and destroyed my derailleur but I was like I was like you know what if I would have ran this tarantula over and would have like kicked it up on me I probably would have died of a heart attack so I'll I'll take the damage derailleur Yeah, I I don't do well with spiders either, oh especially they're ones that are like the size of your hand. Dude, they're <laughs> huge. They're so big. It's yeah. So uh, definitely not used to the tarantulas yet. I don't think I ever will be. So yeah, yeah, we have them out here, but I've only seen them in certain areas, and like in the in the instances that I've seen them, it's been like, hey, there's one walking across this road, and we're up in the mountains. You, you know yes. what I mean, like. But I've never seen one where I'm like, oh, I'm hanging out on this rock. And he just came out to, like, take my lunch. You know? I know. I know. Or, like, freaking take your children away. They're so big. I know, dude. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I, I don't know. And and maybe I'm the unpopular opinion here. But, yes, I'm a mountain biker. And, yes, I spend most of my time outside. But I'm not really an outdoorsy person, if you know what uh, I mean. Like, I'm running at the first sight of a bug. I'm running at the first sight of anything, anything like sketchy. Um, so like, it, it's just funny. Cause I'm like, Oh, like so badass on the trail. And then like a bug shows up. I'm like, Oh my God, I have to get out of here. <laughs> That's Which, too funny. I will say at Greer ranch when I was in California, a bee stung the side of my head over here. And oh, no. it just looked like I had the most botched plastic surgery for a couple days. <laughs> in LA you're, they were probably like, Oh yeah. That's... Yeah. Everyone's probably like, Oh, she's cute. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they're like oh she got the whatever done you know yeah. <laughs> i know i was like i was like oh if i could just get a b on this side it'd be really good right oh man a buddy oh, of mine man. like swallowed one a couple years ago and like oh. it was like stinging him in his <gasps> mouth and oh, he's like trying God. to like get out the words like give me some water or something you oh. know he's like <laughs> dude, that would have hurt so because like my husband ran over and he like pulled the little stinger out but like dude, mm-hmm. that dude had, that dude just has a bee stinger in his throat now yeah, I don't even know. Like, I mean, he assumed that it was a bee, but I mean, judging by the look on his face, I think I believed him. <laughs> Holy crap, dude. Yeah, Man, it's a good yeah. thing he wasn't allergic. That would have been serious. Yeah, that could have been really bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, uh, back to, to your trails there, your local trails. I yeah. was watching, I don't know, it was like Nate Hill or something like that, right yeah. in that area. And a lot of the trails were just that he was riding at least were like just kind of like Karen's that were set up in, in the, in, on, on the trail. So you're kind of going rock to rock for those of you that live in an area that don't have Karen's. They're um, not just angry ladies. They're like little (laughs) piles of rocks that you can kind of know where to, where to follow, follow um, for the direction of a trail. And it just really made me think about, wow, like trail building out there must be, pretty cool because then you can kind of like 
one of the areas that I build in, there's a lot of undergrowth. So it takes a lot of work to be able to even figure out where you're going. Yeah, but to be able to look at just like, hey, this mile, I'm going to pick my direction. Yes. And you know what? I, that has come with my own personal challenges for me because I'm with you in M Missouri. We had, it was forest, but the problem was we had this insane amount of underbrush. It was called honeysuckle. And mm -hmm. it was this huge woody tree bush type of thing, but it just had a zillion branches. Like you couldn't see anywhere. And so you kind of just had to hack through it and like, pray to God, your trail was going to turn out. Okay. But yeah, you're right. Right, like, here you can see like six freaking miles or go to the top of a mountain and like, look all the way down it. And so actually just to the East of our home, there's a bunch of, um, you, you know, public land that nobody's touching. And so we've started building some free ride features out there, like a couple of creek, creek gaps and things like that. And it's, it's so easy because you go out with a steel time rake, a, a, you know, a square edge shovel, and then you bring a pickaxe, but it's mostly just to lever a rock out of the way. Like mm -hmm. I have yet to like cut a bush down, which is pretty cool. I mean, it does make it pretty just gun it, like run and gun. Um, mm -hmm. So I do really like that part of it. <laughs> Yeah. And then, I, I mean, I would imagine then the tech is pretty fun then too, because you can just kind it of is. route that, that direction. So yes. And what, there's a lot of like harder features versus easier features. Cause there's so many just like big boulders everywhere that it's like, Oh, you can, you can roll off that boulder or you can like build up a little drop off of it or just go around it. Um, mm -hmm. So I do really like that. Like it makes riding with a lot of different skill levels super easy in this space. Cause it's like, if you want to send it off to of something, go off, but then, you know, someone else can ride around, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. So would you say that um, your experience going up there to BC like really springboarded your your like mountain biking skill set? Or do you feel like it just kind of opened your eyes to another another spot? Um, I, I don't I don't think it springboarded the skill set. I do think it, <laughs> it it did inspire me to say there's a lot more for myself mm -hmm. um because so i we we chatted a little bit offline like i used to race um enduro mm -hmm. and in like i said in arkansas back in the day it wasn't a really big scene so to be like a pro racer in that space like it, it's not like you know being a pro racer on the uci circuit right it's your local mm -hmm. pro and um after a couple of years of doing that you know you ride the same areas you race the same tracks and like you just get kind of good at it and you're like oh okay like I guess this is as good as I'm going to get, right? Because I'm winning these races and I'm QOM on these trails, right? Queen of the Mountain on these trails. Yeah. And, um, then you go to a place like BC where the features are so much bigger. And I, I mean, I'll tell you, dude, you, you ride next to someone like Max Grayson. Like we were on a blue trail and the dude did a freaking backflip. And I was <laughs> like, oh, like I can do that. Y you know what I mean? And so- yeah. You look at stuff like that and you're like, oh, dude, like that guy's doing a backflip. Like, why am I not doing that type of stuff? You know what I mean? Or like, why am I not boosting that jump bigger? Or even just, you know, simply enough doing a suey or a no hand, like a one hander or something. And mm -hmm. so for me, it was kind of like, okay, like it was difficult for me to find someone who was that much better than me in my home space to kind of, you know, follow. To push you. Yeah, 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 and push yourself. I, that's the easiest way for me to get better is to follow someone who's better than me. And so it did kind of set my mind into a different space to say like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, a nine foot drop isn't that big. Let's go for mm -hmm. the 15 foot drop. 
you know, or, or a gap jump isn't that scary. Like let's go do a bigger one. And so I think the shift for me was really balancing out that skill to confidence level. And I think this is pretty common with most women mountain bikers, right? Probably a lot of mountain bikers in general, but when I speak with other women, this is what we see. It's like, we're quite skilled, but our confidence is here, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm you know, you can do it, but I'm not super confident I can do it. And so I spent a lot of time relying on others to tow me into features and Mm -hmm. really overanalyzing a lot of stuff. And so one of the big things that I focused on in the past year was to ride stupider, which sounds kind of crazy and sounds kind of reckless, but be like, dude, like, look at that feature, check it out for two seconds and then freaking send it. Right. And Mm -hmm. just know that you can do it. And like, quite frankly, it's just fake it till you make it. And, um, yeah, I, I think like, in some some cases, like that totally makes sense. And in other cases, there's probably a, some reasons that you would want to err on caution. But absolutely. I, I, will, I will say that let's just say there there's a, a level of features that if I stop and look at, I'll definitely talk myself out of. Yes. And what I find myself doing, especially when I'm riding not at home. So yeah. I'm riding somewhere else. We're just smashing down some trail. And all of a sudden, here's this, what for me, maybe a, a too, too big of a drop that I would want to do. Yeah. But when I come right on it, like Mach 9, I'm like, and I did it. Yeah. And and like, yeah, scared shitless. You know, and when I got done, I was like, holy crap. But yes. um, but actually zero like um, like sketchiness in, in doing it. Yes. And so what that always tells me is that my skill set's way higher Fair, than what my my like lizard brain wants me to believe. My lizard Absolutely. brain's like, dude, you're gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. And like that's the thing that I cannot stress enough, right? Like the fundamentals need to be there, right? You gotta know how to do your bunny hops, you gotta know how to jump any type of jump, this and this, right? So I'm not t- telling everyone, you know, just go off, but you'll be fine. Because you might not, like, you gotta, you gotta know what you're doing for sure. Um, but you know what I'll say too, that it, it caused injuries for me this season. I cracked a rib in Utah and I tried to quad um, two tabletops. So it was like a tabletop and a step and I tried to quad the damn thing, landed mm-hmm. on the takeoff of the second jump and just smoke the crap out of myself. I was out for like yeah. three weeks just trying to get myself straight. So, you know, definitely some stupid um crashes some stupid mistakes this season but i'm still here i'm still kicking um and uh, i'm I'm quite proud of myself for the progression that i had this year (laughs) yeah i mean i think i think progression definitely comes from riding with people that are better than you every time that i i i have somebody that i'm chasing um it helps it really really helps you know and um I think it also helps a lot to ride in different areas. So I think because you're in somewhere new, it's probably really, really helping you a lot as well, because then your brain is like, like you always have this toolbox of things that you've done. You know, when you were talking about that rock roll in, in um, BC, like that's the same kind of thing that like, maybe I'm in Sedona doing something that I've never done before, but I can like, go into this toolbox of I've done a rock roll that looks way sketchier than this back home. Like you can do this, you know, and those kind of things, they really help. Absolutely. Um, And you know, I I was going to say too, the other thing with the toolbox of riding, right? Like I think you and I are very, very fortunate and very lucky that we've been able to ride in so many different types of places, you know, in the Mm -hmm. country and the world, but 
a lot can be said about using that toolbox at your local trails as well. And I know a lot of people might get bored of riding the same trail over and over again, but I think at that point, I would want to challenge and push people to say, all right, I've done this trail a hundred times. On the 101st time, let me see if I can find a new line or let me see if I can gap these two rollers, right? And just make your local trails fun every day. Um, yeah. A lot can be said about expanding that skill set in the area you live in as well. Yeah, and I, uh, I can't speak highly enough about actually stopping in some of those features or those rock gardens that you normally just smash through <laughs> yeah. and looking at them. Because sometimes when you actually are standing there you can see so many more lines Absolutely. than you and and otherwise you just keep doing this one and yes. maybe the one that you're doing is fast or maybe it's not but because it's the one that you always do you won't you won't roll up to that and on your 75th time and be like no hey, why would you <laughs> exactly why would you you're like i know this i'm just gonna try to go faster but yeah it's like i always like to say stop and try to find the bitchiest line you can right and like try to do a wall ride or try to ride up the back slope or of like of like the bitchy lines are usually the funnest lines <laughs> yeah you know i've had some really fun days on the bike in parks that i've ridden like um trail systems that i've ridden a million times yeah. but we just really went out with the whole idea of like hey we're not going to put a bunch of miles in today we're not yeah. going to be like trying to like smash down everything let's just go session a bunch of spots mm -hmm. and i think it's like maybe the 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 young bmxer in me or something i'm gonna but... say like such a bmx vibe <laughs> yeah where it's just it's fun though where it's like and you you come up with some stupid stuff you know where for you're sure like, yeah you're like well that didn't work that looked dumb but i had fun <laughs> yeah yeah or you'll be like yeah i think we can like make this a line and then everybody tries and everybody fails and you're like well i guess it's not a line you yeah, know? exactly <laughs> yeah and now now your tire mark is there to, to be a bad influence on someone else <laughs> right exactly but but uh, and those are really fun days and i think those um a uh, like also really build the skill set, but B, they'll, they'll take out the monotony of some places. Absolutely. I, I would imagine with the, you talking about the training and stuff like that, um, for, for a good portion of the year, I'm riding five or six days a week. And yeah. it's really hard to not get extremely bored with the yes. trails that you're riding, Absolutely. you know, and because it's not like you're driving three hours away every day, no. you know, so so um you have to come up with ways to to make it different whether it's using a different bike or riding it in a, a backwards manner or you know yeah. taking all the trails that you normally go down to go up or you know what i mean so you know all too all too often there's so much social media out there like man everybody's stoke levels at 11 all the time and yeah. you know what like some days i pull my bike out of the back of the truck and i'm like Oh, like, I guess I'm just going to go get some miles in and that's okay. Like I just yeah. ride slower and just do it for the fitness or whatever. Do it because I know it's healthy. Right. And yeah. my stoke is maybe at like a three or a four and that's okay. Right. You don't have to be yeah. amped every time you ride your bike. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes that's the deal. It's like, I sat at my desk working too long and I need to go do this before dinner. And it's like you grab the gravel bike and you're just like, I have the motivation to just make the wheels go around. And that's yep. it. And, Sometimes but, that's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think some of that is like your body telling you, Hey, you need to take a break too. Yeah. And may, maybe it's your mental or maybe it's just your physical, but I feel like, like don't beat yourself up over that stuff. No, nope. you know, not at all. I was thinking, 
earlier when you were talking about, I mean, you, you're you're doing some really big stuff compared to the majority of riders out there, male or female. But I would imagine a lot of women listen to you talking about the way that you're riding and like, I have zero clue how she got there. So how did you go from being a person that was comfortable riding like at a typical, like kind of, let's just call it a average, like trail mm-hmm. rider kind of level mm-hmm. to getting to the point where you're like, yeah, I feel like I can, I can do that, that huge gap jump or yeah. a gap jump for that matter. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, a big, a big part of it is me being quite meticulous. Um, I, you said this, right. A lot of people don't really stop and session things. One of the biggest things that got my skills to where they are is stopping and sessioning. And I will tell you, have you ever been to Bentonville, Arkansas? I haven't yet. I'd really like to go. So there's a, there's a trail there called the all American trail and it's a little green jump line and it has five foot tabletops on it. And my husband and I look back at our Strava. There's this one section on All American where it has three tabletops in a row. And it's super easy to just boop, 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 and then go back up. We have done that like 270 times. And I, I, I looked at that and I was like, wow, like people will say, oh, Amanda, you're pretty good at jumping. How'd you do that? And I just say, this is a simple example. I rode these three tabletops 270 times. And every single time, or not every single time, but I had someone take a video of me and someone give me feedback on, oh, that looked good or that didn't look too good. And probably a lot slower than what some other people have done to progress, but it was taking videos of myself, looking at myself, seeing how I felt on those things, seeing if pulling on the bars harder on the jump made it work better, or if, you know, pushing with your legs made it work better. So I think it was kind of my internal meticulous tendencies that Mm -hmm. helped, I would say, build the fundamentals. And then when it came down to being like, wow, I'm really, really good at this green jump trail. Let's go take it to the blue one. And it really wasn't that different. And so from there, it was finding a lot of new friends to ride with. And again, some trail systems don't have a lot of people. But if there are people who you find semi-regularly on the trail, make a point to say hi to them, to see if you can ride with them, because you're going to learn something new from these people, whether they're better than you or in some cases worse than you, they probably have a skill that is better than you. So for example, I'm terrible at wheelieing, right? But I have a friend who's very, very good at wheelieing, but I'm Mm -hmm. much better at cornering than he is. And so when we get together, I talk a lot about corners with him and he talks a lot about wheelies with me. And so there is always something that someone can offer you. And I don't want to say that in a transactional way, but you can always learn something fantastic from people and usually in return, you know, give something back to those folks as well. And so a lot of my progression has been pretty social, I would say, um, but also, like I said, being meticulous and sometimes being confident. But, you know, a lot of women are like, man, that's scary. Or, oh, I see my boyfriend doing that. Or I see my husband doing that. And it's like, well, why is he any different than you? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm like women have a lower center of gravity than most men. So our balance should be fantastic. And yeah. uh, Do you think it's because there's not, I mean, I think this is depends on what area you live in, but I think yeah. generally speaking, a lot of areas, there's not as many, it doesn't seem like there's as many women mountain bikers. I so two women the whole week I was in California. Yeah. And which is odd though. I mean, you can go somewhere else. Like when I went to bend, I see as many women riding there as there are guys. And yeah. 
so i mean it, it depends on where it's at like yeah. geographically yeah. i think but do you think that that because you know a lot of women don't get to see other women doing it that it's just like oh that's what the boys do and i'm not uh, like it's easier yeah. to write it off that way yeah you know dude I, I i think that could be part of it the other thing too i grew up a tomboy right back in the day you call this tomboys right i grew mm -hmm. up surfing my friends surfing were boys were the old the old dudes right back then that i just surfed mm -hmm. with and so for me like being a woman in those sports was never really a differentiating factor sure in some cases guys could you know charge waves a little bit harder or you know turn a little bit more aggressively than me but it was always very welcoming and it's the same thing in the mountain bike community i have never i mean i've rarely interacted with men who are like you know, get out of the way. Like I need to be here first or whatever. Like, yeah. yes, there's, there's your occasional mansplaining of how to do something, but <laughs> in general, most of the men that I've interacted with have been incredible and just been like, yeah, dude, come ride with us. Like, I think yeah. a lot of the dudes I ride with don't see me as like that girl that comes and rides with them. It's just Amanda and, mm -hmm. you know, she keeps up and just yeah. rides. And I think making yourself have a space in the area is important and maybe not necessarily waiting for that space yeah. to be created. Yeah. I think a lot of, of times that um, people's own insecurities keep them from doing things that they can it's do. True. And I think that that I mean, goes hand in hand, like whether it's a guy or a girl, but Absolutely. I think it's really easy to be like, Oh, those people ride all the time and I don't want to hold them back. So I'm not going to go. And realistically, I know at least for me and the people that I ride with on a regular is it, if you have somebody that's slower or newer in the group, it's not like any of us are angry about it. We, no, all, we all started there. Yeah, we're that, and then we're all like, dude, we just get to take a longer break or we get to like just bullshit more. Or, like, exactly. You know, like uh, that's the time where you're, you're gonna screw around trying to work around like work on your wheelie while you're waiting for them exactly. to get to or or you you can talk to some of my friends who are slower than me they probably hate it because i'm behind them just chatting yeah. their ear off the whole time as they're yeah. huffing and puffing up a climb and i'm just like doo -ba -doo -ba -doo -ba yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so oh, i mean okay. most 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 of the time i guess what i'm getting at is that the people that you're thinking you're going to hold back actually don't care no and and no. uh for whatever reason, people just really, it's unfortunate, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate that people do that to themselves. So I, I, I do, I do agree with that. And again, you know, the, the confidence thing and the ability to not worry about what others think of you is something that I do think can be learned. Um, right. But I've never so much, you know, been like, Oh my gosh, like everyone probably thinks I'm so ridiculous, but the other point to what you said, right? You, you see a lot of these people are like, man, she probably just rides all the time, right? And she probably does this for a living, right? Oh, like biker literally just rides for so like, dude, I, I got a day job. I work 10 hours a day. You know, mm -hmm. I got I got bills to pay. I got a house to clean. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not riding my bike every day. You know what I mean? Or, or, or for five hours a day for that matter. And mm -hmm. so I think that's another important part of it too, to say, to, to, to remove those imaginary barriers, right. To say, Oh, she rides more than me or, Oh, he has more opportunity than me. Um, mm -hmm. dude, I was, I was riding around with an eight mil Allen key in my back pocket for the first year, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
So what got you to to leave that bike behind and and, and upgrade? You know what? I'm going to say the thing that everybody says when they sell a bike or a car is, man, I never should have got rid of that thing, right? But yeah. I upgraded because I actually got my husband into the sport. So uh-huh. I I was actually the mountain biker of the family. And then I got him into it, which was really cool, kind of teaching him how to ride. But I gave him the iron horse. And I uh-huh. was like, this is your like gate to learning this. And you have to pay your dues on this clapped out bike. <laughs> and so... So he had that and I, I upgraded to a very fancy Trek X caliber six or something like that. A little like $700 hardtail, but it was uh-huh. a 29er and man was that thing like so bougie to me. And yeah. I, I rode that thing for a while and learned how to jump on the, the 29er hardtail and do my drops on it. And then I, I ended up with my first trail bike mm-hmm. and uh, rode that for a very short period of time. It actually got stolen, which was unfortunate. And then from there, the trail bike went to an enduro bike. And that was when it was like, holy cow, like modern bikes are insanely capable. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was kind of like, you know, when you get the big superhero enduro bike, you're like, dude, I am untouchable. Like I can do anything yeah. on this thing. <laughs> when I was a younger guy, I was learning how to play guitar. And um, my dad's a really good guitarist. And he gave me this, this guitar that he picked up at like mm-hmm. a like a yard sale or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, the, the, the action on the guitar is like, because it's a cheap guitar is really hard to like push your fingers down into the chords and stuff like that. But realistically, what he was trying to do was to get me stronger yes. by using that. So yeah. that whenever um, I started playing like a really good guitar, it felt like, it felt like it was so much easier. It was yes. unbelievable. And I wonder, um, do you feel that's a very similar thing by putting in the reps with having the hardtail? And you know what? Hardtail? Again, here's the crotchety old guy response on this, right? Pay your dues, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I had wonderful experience doing that, but I think a lot of people would be discouraged on being on such a horrific bike, right? If your bike mm-hmm. was falling apart, a lot of people would be like, dude, this is not for me. Right. Um, But on the other hand, ignorance is bliss. Right. You Mm -hmm. had this crazy, difficult to play guitar, but it was all you knew. So you're like, oh, yeah, this is just how guitars are. So the first time you did get on a nice bike, did get on a nice guitar, you were like, holy cow, like it's so much easier to work through. And so I was so, you know, bitter and holier than thou. Right. When the e-bikes came out, I was like, these guys aren't paying their dues. You know, they need to pedal and do all this stuff. But like, what a fantastic piece of equipment, right? Like now I, I see it as a great thing. Cause if I want to do a 35 mile day, all my buddies can hop on an e-bike and do it with me. Um, mm-hmm. or if a dude wants to go super, super fast up the hill, that's amazing. He can get more laps in before the sun goes down. So, you know, if you can't afford it and you have a huge desire, go with the cheap option. But if you can't afford it and you want a really sweet bike right out of the box, more power to you, dude, you know? Yeah. 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 I think it was really key though just to hear you know the to the progression that you went through on very inexpensive bikes i mean a lot of people it's very easy for you to get into uh like you you spent six hundred dollars on your hardtail and you were like this thing is the couch you can't even buy a fork for six hundred dollars yeah yeah so i mean but but i think that generally what i'm getting at is like you don't actually need to spend a ton of money to like get out there and get riding and no. and yeah the more money you spend 
the less likely things are going to break or, or totally. they're going to give you a little more comfort. But yeah. I think you can, you can kind of make your way through things that way, you, you know, and like yeah. everything's going to wear out, you yeah. know, like your derailleur, you're going to snap. You can, I, I've, I've broken a, a top of the line XX1 derailleur just as many times as I've broken a, a GX, you know, exactly. it's just like, exactly. guess what? that rock didn't like me today. You now, know? I, I, I will tell you, I did treat myself. I bought a very, very fancy race bike. Um, which I knew nothing about. I called up all my friends to be like, what the heck do I like? How, like, how do you buy a cross country race bike? Cause I've never had mm -hmm. one. I ended up with this nuke proof reactor ST and you know what? I got it right when like wiggle and chain reaction cycles filed for administration and bankruptcy. So I got oh, yeah. this $11,000 build for $3,300. Oh, wow. There you go. Insane. I know. And so I'm doing this very idiotic thing and I have this problem where I want to check these bucket list items off my list to say, Oh, I did that. And so me and one of my best friends, our, our resolution, which we, we set this resolution back in September was to go do the vapor trail 125. And it's this 125 mile mountain bike race that starts in Salida, Colorado at 10 PM. And you have 22 hours to do 125 miles, 17,000 feet of elevation, all on like black single track with a smattering of forest service roads in it. 17,000 so, feet of elevation? 17,000 feet in one shot. Oh my God, Dude. that just sounds so bad. <laughs> my biggest ride, and I looked, my biggest ride to date has been 4,300 feet. Yeah, that's and huge. so we're, we've been training like dogs for this thing. It's in September, so I have plenty of time for this. But um, it was just one of those things that was like, hey, like let's go do this and kind of this is this is the mo. Let's let's touch base in September and see how it goes. But I have a lot of hefty goals on the free ride side of things, but I still want to do this. And so I'm mm -hmm. kind of approaching this as that hybrid athlete type of situation where it's like. I still want to be strong and I still want to have the fundamentals so I can go hit my drops, practice new tricks this year. But then I want to go do this 125 mile race and actually finish it. So, yeah, the, that's a, a, a huge day on the bike. I know I was trying to do, I got this thing in my head and I still want to do it that I wanted to do a 10,000 foot ride Yeah, and through like training or whatever, like got up to around 8,000 and the amount of time that I was spending. How many miles was I mean? When we did the 8,000, yeah, I think it was like 45 or 50 yeah. or something okay. like that. Yeah. So okay. that's a lot. Um, and it, it was weird too, because at the time I was, you know, my, my midweek rides that used to be like between a thousand and 15 or 2000 feet, yeah. you know, turned into like my midweek rides were like, oh, I did 4,000 today, yes. 4,500 like, like, but it, it, it was just so much time in the saddle. That, it's um, a lot of time. I, 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 yeah. I, frankly, I'm getting bored. I'm getting bored. Like my yeah. longer tempo rides, like sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm just like, dude, like this is a little boring, yeah. um, which sounds insane, but I, I don't know. I, I do think it's possible. I'm going to try to get it done in under 19 hours. Yeah, I mean, I know, I mean, I guarantee you it's 100% possible. And you know what I mean? So, well, like, it. yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things where you, it, man, just to like wrap your head around it. I, I really commend you. I think that's really awesome. There's a bunch of things like that that I've thought about in my life. So, I'm, I'm really excited for you. And, 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 and that's the thing. It's like, I, I really haven't wrapped my head around the 17,000 yet. 
because like I said, like this last big ride I did was like 4,400 feet. And so in your mind, you're like, okay, four, eight, four, six. I just have to do that three more times. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? And I'm like, holy crap, like, how is that going to be possible? So I'm still in that phase of like, the math hasn't really mapped for me quite yet. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I still I have plenty of time, though. I have plenty of time to train for it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, judging by where, where you're, I mean, if you're training now, I, I you, you, you have to basically give up on training if you weren't going to be ready by then. Yeah, <laughs> the other thing for me too, it's like, I would like to somewhat enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to be just like a ball of nerves and depression at the end of it. You know, I yeah. want to be like, yeah, like I did it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's just, man. I've noticed like when I was doing those longer rides, somewhere around the five to six hour point is wherever I start getting where I'm like, I don't really fucking want to do this anymore. That's what I'm saying, man. And it's like, <laughs> I know. And it's so funny because one of my friends was like, oh, I think you can train for this by doing like shorter, more intense rides. And I told him, I was like, I hear you. And maybe that's possible, but I need to get comfortable with being bored. I was like, yeah. I need to get to hour 12 and yeah. fight with that boredom. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, yeah, I, I'm again, an adrenaline junkie. Like I need this constant stimulation and there's just going to be some points where you're just slugging up a fire road and you're like, dude, this yeah. sucks. <laughs> well, and I know with myself that if I wasn't doing the longer rides with that bigger elevation, like even if somebody was like, no, this is science. I promise you, you can ride yeah. two and a half hours a day and the day of the ride, you'll be able to do it. Like I just mentally, if if I wasn't doing something damn close to it already, exactly that's what would talk me out of it on the trail it wouldn't be my body failing me it would be my mental like no dude you just can't do this the dude. longest you know what i mean i would i would talk myself out oh i know exactly because so i i i did the other bucket list i ran a marathon back in like 2020 just to mm -hmm. say like check this thing off the list and mile like 21 i'm just i'm running along and i literally in my brain i was like dude this is so boring and it was crazy. And I felt insane that I was like, wow, like I should really like be practicing gratitude and being like, this is cool that my body can do this, you know? And I was like, yeah. oh, this is so boring. Um, so it was, it was funny, but that's the only like experience I can pull from. Mm -hmm. And the marathon took me like, you know, four hours. So it's right. not even like a fraction of the time that this thing is going to take. So it's, it's going to be a dog, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, you know, two different kinds of athletes too. I mean, some people are endurance athletes and they just really like to get into that spot. And yeah. some people, I think, you know, do things for other reasons and, you know, whether you want to say it's an adrenaline junkie kind of thing or whatnot. Yeah. I, I, um, I mean, I, I had points in my life where I ran a lot, you know, and, and I, I just never really got the excitement out of it. I've had yeah. like one or two runs in my whole life where I was like, that day yes. just felt amazing. I know. But other than that, every other time I'm like, yeah, I did it. You know, <laughs> I know. Like that, that I, I'm, I'm with you, dude. Wait, okay. Can I pause for a second and just comment sure. on something real quick? So Brooks rides bikes. He's in the comments right now. He's mm -hmm. a shredder out of St. Joseph, Missouri. Um, he is insane. I, I believe he's still in high school. This kid can whip, whip a bike like probably further than 90 degrees. But the one thing I want to say here is that everybody around the world needs to watch out for Arkansas and Missouri 
when it comes to like slope style, crankworks type stuff, there's going to be a lot of young up and coming professionals coming from that space. Because when it comes to style, like I have not seen more style come out of that area. So I'm super happy to see some Missouri folks on here, but uh, mark my words, give it another uh, five, six years. And there's going to be some some Midwestern people uh, on the Crankworks podiums for sure. Right on, man. That's yeah. exciting. <laughs> so um, now I don't know where to go from. I that. know, man. I said, I was like, oh, these Missouri kids—they're going to be—they're going to be rocking Whistler here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, do you think that you have to to get to riding in Whistler before you can get all the way, kind of? to that top, top level, or do so, you think you can level up other places? The only reason I say yes now is because when it comes to slope style, there is like bronze, silver, and gold courses. And I don't know if you know anything about this, right? But the bronze courses are the small courses and, you know, progressively gets up to larger and larger courses. And um, we don't have anything even to the level of like a bronze course in the mm -hmm. space. Um, when things like Bettenville Bike Fest come along, like some folks will build up really huge trick jumps, but it's just like one jump. It's not a whole course. So mm -hmm. the only reason I say maybe is I think you do need to get exposure on some of that stuff. Cause dude, I don't know if you've ever seen a bronze course in real life, but like you stand there and you're like whole, like they're huge. And yeah. so I, I really hope that in the next couple of years, we get some of those bigger courses in the area. Cause like you can build those anywhere. You don't need a mountain. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you need like a thousand foot descent to do that. So I do mm -hmm. hope that someone kind of steps up and builds those bigger courses in the area. But yeah, my, my guess would be that as the sport progresses, that you'll start to see those things popping up more and more. I mean, just, just seeing the amount of, of, bike parks that are being built by cities compared to 15, 20 years ago. Like yeah. if your town had a pump track in it, you were like, Insane. what? I know. You know. Yeah. And, and now it just seems to be, be becoming more and more the norm. And when you have cities like Bentonville who are really showing the world that look, you can create this extra economy for yes. your city that um, is all just right, right around bikes. Yeah. And, and, you know, another place that was really interesting. So I went to Asheville, North Carolina a couple years ago to ride. And there's a private um, facility there called the Riveter. And mm -hmm. half of it was an indoor climbing gym. And the other half of it was a bike park. And um, they had, like, professional trail builders come in and do, like, huge jump lines at that place. And it was nuts because you had to pay to get into it. But people were paying to go ride those trails. And I was like, dude, like there are people out there who would happily pay uh, yeah. you know, 20, 30 bucks to go to those types of facilities. Um, that was a really crazy place. Like kind of like the first, first of its kind that I saw that wasn't a full on ski resort that turned into a bike park. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I went to a place in Southern California that's called sky park and yeah, um, that it wasn't crazy. like, it wasn't like big, super epic kind of of stuff, but they had, you know, a small area that had a really good tight network of, of trails and it had a lot of progression things for people that were learning. Yeah. And I think it was, and then they didn't have a lift. So you still had to climb yourself, but it yeah. was like, you know, 55 or $65 for the ticket for that day. Yeah. And there was still a ton of people there. Yes. And it, it's like, you're just saying, I think that there's 
a lot of opportunity out there for people in the public space or the private space yes. to to start kind of 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 doing some things you know yeah. especially in states like california for example where it's really hard logistically to get through a lot of red tape yeah with, with public stuff yeah where like there's still a lot of red tape in California, but it's like you can, it's less of it if you're doing it on your private land. Exactly. Well, and look at um, Texas just opened up a brand new bike park called Station Mountain. That's a really special story. It looks like um, like a young, a young kid, right? Like a teenager um, started that joint. And now it's a full on private bike park and the jump line there look insane. And it's in Texas. And then um, I know, and there's another place in Georgia called Jared's Place. Same type. What of was the, what was the one that you just mentioned a second ago, though? Station Mountain Bike Park. I'm gonna try to look um, it up while you're talking yes, about the. Yes, and I, it it caught my eye immediately, and I was like, I have to go, um, because like it was literally just a passionate guy. Like, talk about everybody's dream, right? To be like, man, I want to have a bike park one day. This kid was like, oh, I'm just gonna go do that. And uh, the place looks insane. It's about a 12 hour drive for me. And I was like, man, this winter, I might hop over there and go check it out. Cause those boutique bike parks, just like Sky Park, they're so special. They have such different personalities when you get there. They're really, really cool places to check out. All right, let's see. Let's see if we can uh, yeah, bring Yeah, does it even have a website? Or like a- Yeah, we do actually. So this is the site for- um, the station mountain and those of you guys that are watching you can see they have some pretty big like wood features and tabletops right. and things of that like kind of like that that are built up so yeah, I feel like it's like a huge it's like a huge trick jump like yeah I mean, it's crazy yeah and like like jared's place like people have said so many good things about that joint as well and i mean even look at like canuga in um in uh, south carolina like that place is a little bit bigger but again another just like passion project for people so it's really cool, right? Because everyone talks about like, yeah, Whistler, Trestle, Angel Fire, Big Bear. But like these places are so sick. <laughs> so talk to me about uh, Angel Fire. What's what, what what's good there? Dude, um, everything, obviously. I'm the <laughs> biggest fan of Angel Fire. The one thing that was insane this year, though, was they really, they actually upped their headcount of trail builders. Because mm -hmm. I believe one of the biggest complaints about Angel Fire is the park is rough. It's a pretty steep mountain. So there's a lot of brake bumps um, naturally. And a lot of times they don't really get fixed up. But like this year alone, I think the trail builders built three brand new trails and like opened three brand new trails, which is kind of crazy. But um, I would say Angel Fire is like pretty well known for its tech at the very top of the mountain. We, we kind of call it the steeps. And on the front face, there's like a bowl where all the like double black tech trails kind of dump into that. But there's a... There's a track on there called Hungry Hippo, which is like their big, you know, Hollywood style black jump line. Um, and it's, you know, got like 35 foot jumps on it um, that then feeds into Candyland, which is like the pro jump line that has like more closer to like 40 foot jumps on it. And so as a person who really likes jumping, I obviously am, could just do Candyland laps forever until my legs fall off. Um, but it's pretty funny because there is a infamous jump at the very end of hungry hippo called the dinner table and mm. uh they call it the dinner table because everybody likes to lay themselves out on the dinner table and set the table because you come into this huge berm where you really just have to kind of keep the power in your legs to make sure you can hold speed through it 
And mm-hmm. uh, it's the, the probably the biggest jump on the trail. And if you case that thing, the knuckle just chucks you. So I've had friends who rip the forks out of their head tubes. I had a friend this year who broke his arm on that trail or on that particular jump. And so it, it's kind of funny when you talk to Angel Fire about it because they're like, oh yeah, the dinner table. And it, like, it cracks me up because you would think if there was a jump on a trail that like hurt people frequently, they would change it. But the jump runs really, really well. You just have yeah. to like send it, I guess. <laughs> um, so fair warning, if you go to Angel Fire, just know the last jump, jump on Hungry Hippo is called the dinner table and you should really, really strive to send it. <laughs> So how about um, things that are in the different skill sets that, I mean, they ha- is it pretty well-rounded there or is it? It, it uh, is. And they, they separate the mountain really well too. So like you don't accidentally like come ripping into someone who's maybe a beginner and vice versa. So like one side of the mountain, they're pretty good at like keeping the blacks and double blacks there. And then the other side is amazing. They have all these like really nice blue, like flowy jump trails, really nice, like green adventure trails that are like super wide and well-maintained. And so I would say like that side of the mountain is like where you want to take the family and then go to the left side. If you want to go like, go really crazy and like go fast and, you know, do mm-hmm. kind of more dangerous things. And yeah. I, I do think Angel Fire realized that they were like, man, we're, we're pretty well known for being a hard bike park. So let's bring some stuff in that's easier. Um, and they actually did this year, apart from those three new trails they built, um, they did build like a skill zone that actually leverages, you know, at ski resorts, those like carpets that you can like go up the bunny hill on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like, it's like a giant thing. treadmill kind of. Yeah. So yeah. literally now they have people putting their mountain bikes on the little carpet. And then there's just like some green skills trails that you can go down. And I was like, that's actually a pretty cool way to like leverage something that otherwise wouldn't be used in the summer. Um, so they've done a really good job on making it much more progressive than it has been in past years. Right on. Yeah, that that's really cool. You know, it I, I will say um for me, riding park is not I don't really look forward to it. It's just like the it's not the it's not the kind of riding like I really like I guess you could say more adventure kind of riding yeah. where where it's like as much I mean I'm 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 a big guy. So I'm like most people look at me and assume that I don't like climbing. And if you watch my videos, most of the time I'm bitching about it. But on the other hand, I'm doing these like huge rides where it's like, okay, we climbed for like three hours to get up there. And then we like did this descent and that those rides just, they really fulfill me like, like spiritually. And whenever I go to a park, like, in my mind, I always have a good time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And I can totally see how riding that type of riding really pushes your skill set quickly because you yeah. can like, you're basically sessioning, but like a monster trail, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, but um, in my mind, I'm like, I'm giving up a day of like a weekend day that I would normally be able to go to one of these other places. Wow. And so for me, it's really difficult to, um, to go honestly wow. to like, yeah, yeah. That could not be any more opposite. I'll tell you during park season, if someone's like, let's go somewhere else. I'm like, well, yeah, but that's one less weekend at the park that I can spend. Yeah, yeah. That's insane how it could be so different. Now I will tell you one thing I do really love about the park is like you go there on a Saturday and all of your friends are going to be there, whether you yeah. communicated about it or didn't. Yeah. And 
I do love that. And it kind of gets back into like the skate park BMX type vibe where mm-hmm. you'll do a lap with somebody and then you'll do a lap with somebody else. And like, I kind of like the like haphazard, no planning. And it's just like, Oh, yeah. like Joe's here. And Oh, Sarah's here. And like, you can just like go ride with whoever. And so I do really, really like that part. I don't like the part where your bike gets completely clapped though. Cause I mean, you put <laughs> so much stress on it. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Like I busted yeah, my no, brain and, half and at the end of the season. I was like, oh God, my poor brain. <laughs> the times that I've been to to like park to the park, like it's exactly like what you say. Mm-hmm. I have a ton of friends that are always there. So anytime I go, they're like, hey, you know, and it's exactly the same yeah. thing. It's like and, and it's super fun. It, it really, really truly is. I mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where, you know, everybody everybody has their own disciplines, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're like. I know guys that really enjoy like kind of more flow or jump like kind of trails. And to me, like, I don't really care about jumping as much as I like tech, you know, I like, like ridiculous shit where you look at it, you're like, you shouldn't be able to ride that, you know? Dude. Yeah. Like, see, so I should probably ride with you because you could teach me a lot (laughs) about tech and then I could give you some pointers on jumps. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get it. I believe me. I totally get it. Like, there's a friend of mine that I ride with. He loves jumping and he's also one of the guys that likes to go to the park, but there's this one particular trail in South Lake that um, every time I ever ride it, I like, I just case everyone. Right. But, but it's like him and I are riding together and, and next thing you know, I'm hitting like a 25 foot tabletop that. Yeah. And just like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is so fucking exciting. Like I, I get it. I totally get it. But as soon as like the day was over, like in his mind, he's like, finally, I've talked Robert into it. We're going to go to the park now. He's going to be all about jumping. And then like a day later, I'm like, so let's go do this. And he's like, wait. (laughs) It's so, yeah, it's so funny. And I feel like part, like park, park rats in general, like so degenerate. Like one of my friends, he will literally, he'll bring like a little hip pack with him and he'll just put two cans of like freaking PBR in the hip pack. And he drinks the beer on the lift and then smashes the can into his like full face helmet and then puts his goggles like over the can so there's like a can hanging off of his helmet and i'm like absolute degenerate behavior but just like i'm totally here for it (laughs) yeah yeah and that that, oddly enough it's it's really funny because when i say this out loud it just doesn't sound right (laughs) but like that degenerate is exactly me when i'm skiing like that's like 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 eight beers in my backpack or I just got them like hidden all over the mountain and it's just so like, like the exact like everything that you say about riding park I can relate with in skiing yeah but so then, you're like, like, you're like I need I need the off season of ski season where I get healthy you're like I cannot continue to drink beer on the mountain <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's just interesting you know and I think that you know that that goes to show that there's something out there for everybody like in the bike industry, you know, like depending on like, if you're like what I was talking about earlier, you know, like the endurance type people, there's, you know, bike packing or XC riding or things where you can just really like lay that like a lot of time in the saddle or there's other things where it's just like, you know, what you're doing, where you're just, you're some of the jumps that you're talking about in my mind, I'm like, there's zero part of me. that I ever want to do that. Like, I just don't like, but and I it's like, not why spend time on the ground when you can be in the air, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's really awesome, you know. And I think that um that's why I enjoy, you know, the sport. And I enjoy having these conversations with everybody because yeah. 
there's so many like so many different things and and at the end of the day like all those people can ride together on no matter what and, yes. and still have a good time like i've Absolutely. been on rides with guys that were that were you know um shoot now i'm drawing a blank right now i cannot believe it like rampage riders oh you yeah. know like i did a, a ride with a guy that 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 rode in rampage and it blew my mind where you know where you were talking about watching somebody hit some some blue trail and do a backflip it was kind of like that we were yeah. we were up in the mountains and he just like hucks off of this like 12 foot rock yes. like i wouldn't even thought you could even walk out there let alone like hey, yeah. ride my bike exactly, and jump down that's there. what i'm saying like there was this there's this guy that i ride with whenever i go back to bentonville um super talented rider like free rider type and he's this dude that like hits gaps that i don't even see until he yeah. does it because i was like dude that landing was so far away that i didn't even see it but it was interesting because me and him were talking about fitness because because like I I love like lifting weights and he was like he was like dude like your bunny hop has like really great vert and he's like so what are you doing and I was like well like my squat right now is at like 150 155 mm -hmm. his squat 440 Jesus. and he was like he was like yeah dude he's like I'm squatting 440 he's like so see because we were talking about it we're like a hard landing is like doing a really big squat or yeah. If you, you know, have a huge compression, that's a giant push-up or a bench press. And so mm -hmm. it was really interesting talking to him being like, yeah, dude, like got a big deadlift, got a big bench press because, you know, if you find yourself in a hairy situation, when you're doing these huge features, you need to be strong to get out of it. And so it really switched my mind to be like, dang, like, you know, you look at these rampage riders or these crazy free riders and you're like, oh, they just like ride their bike a lot. And I'm like, that dude spends almost as much time in the gym as he does on his bike. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's there's definitely a lot to that. And I think that's a really good point that you're making is that a lot of people, especially with, you know, watching other athletes on social media, that a lot of times they just see the riding and then they, they make that assumption like what you just said, where it's yeah. like, oh, that guy rides seven days a week. But it's like, no, that guy might ride three days a week, but actually like is in the gym like more hours than that, you know? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think this guy's probably a pretty – um, exceptional example. Like, I don't think your average yeah. mountain biker is squatting, you know, 440. Yeah. But I was like, hey, like, if that's if that's what makes you feel safe and comfortable and capable, then like, more power to you, dude. Keep doing it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you said earlier that you got your your husband into mountain biking. Where yeah. where is he at? It, uh, is it like whenever you're like, oh, I guess I got to bring the husband on me on the ride today? Absolutely <laughs> not. I am so competitive and he is uh, the sweetest, most supportive person ever. And uh, we, we slingshot off of each other. So uh, he'll be better and then I'll be better and then he'll be better and I'll be better. So he's actually the perfect riding partner because mm -hmm. he is not so like exponentially better than me that we can't mm -hmm. ride together. It's pretty mm -hmm. insane. Like, like I said, some days he's better than me. Other days I'm better than him. Um, which yeah. has been really, really cool for our own progression. Cause like we work on a lot of the same features together, which is super cool. But the other thing that's really cool, like, and I mean, he got good really, really fast and had a couple of really bad. A quick question. Yeah. For some reason, whenever you were talking about him getting into riding. Yeah. In my mind, I, I came up with this idea that he had like a moto background. No. Was He's that, a, was that incorrect? A snowboarder and a wakeboarder. Okay. So then he was comfortable in the air. Then that's basically probably where. Honestly, where, yeah. yes. 
Yeah. You know what he's not good at though? He's not good at falling. He's not good <laughs> at crashing. Yeah. And um, we we talked about that after a couple of bad crashes. Um, and, I, and I was like, dude, like I'm actually really good at crashing. Cause like I said, like I grew up skateboarding, surfing, like doing all this stuff that when you crash, it freaking hurts. And so yeah. he's good at it, right? And so that was his big thing. He's like, dude, like I still don't know how to crash. Which sounds mm-hmm. kind of funny, but like, you know, like you want to kind of ragdoll yourself and not try to break your collarbone or break your wrist. Right, or right. Like that. Um, but yeah, so he's he's a really talented rider and he's gotten obviously exponentially better coming out here too. But the other thing is he's a really, really good drone pilot and a mm-hmm. really, really good like videographer and photographer. Oh, and, that's awesome. Uh, it's like the coolest thing ever because, you know, it's like, oh, like, who's doing that drone footage of you? Like, who'd you pay to do this drone footage? I'm like, dude, this is literally my husband chasing me with the drone, Um, which is so cool because like, again, like, you know, this dude, like making reels and YouTube videos and stuff like that. Like you need help with that stuff. Yeah. And so I'm really lucky that he enjoys it and he's good at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's something that you guys can go out and do together as well. I know that um, there was a point when my wife and I, kind of skill set was like what you were talking about where it was back and forth like that and um she got in a car accident and unfortunately like it kept her from riding mountain bike for a while and in that time like my skill set got so far away from hers that that she feels like now where it's like oh I don't want to hold you up and I'm like no this is like I really enjoy that time that we have together absolutely you know? and I, I noticed with her what will happen is it's like if she gets somebody that's like one of her friends that decides to get into mountain biking, then she'll get kind of all fired up about it again. But um, it, it, it's just not that like it was before. So it's oh. kind of kind of a bummer. Hopefully, hopefully one of these 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 seasons coming up, she'll she'll fall back in love with it. So we'll see I, what happens. I do. I do hope so, because I can't empathize with working through an injury that's so long term. But I can empathize with being that partner who is continuing to do the sport while the yeah. other is injured because my husband like blew up his arm needed three or four surgeries he was off the bike for six months mm-hmm. and you could just see in his eyes that he was like i cannot believe i can't ride and i felt so guilty right but it's yeah. like but for myself it was like i i want to continue riding i need to continue riding for my own health and sanity mm-hmm. um and it was difficult i mean those six months were, were quite difficult because it's one of those things you, you go back, you come home from the ride and it's like, Ooh, do I play it up on how fun it was? Or do I just say, Oh yeah, it was fine. And like, not talk about yeah. it. Um, very difficult, but I was so lucky that he fought through, I think that mental um, timidness of getting back on the bike. Cause he, he hurt himself biking and he made a mental note to be like, I'm just never going to ride that trail again, which is fine. Um, and he worked through like being scared, being stiff, being timid, honestly, in like two and a half months. And yeah. he came back so much stronger, which was amazing because a lot of the time I was thinking, is he going to want to do this again? Or is he going to yeah. want to kind of put the bikes away? And so again, knock on wood, but it was, it, it turned out really well for us, but that is, that was very hard. Yeah. My, my wife was a athlete as well, younger, like in college and, stuff like that so she has that you know very similar to what you were saying she was a tomboy growing up has that super like competitive kind of streak to her so what i was thinking was um fortunately we both ride the same size bike so 
Nice. Yeah, we do too. My husband and I do. Yeah, too. yeah. So I was I was thinking about picking up this this e bike this year, and I think if that like then we'll put her in a spot where some of these bigger like higher altitude rides that I know like technically actually aren't that difficult, but it's yeah. like you have to have that time in the saddle to be able to do them. Yeah. And with I think with the e bike and her being able to go out and do those, that my assumption is then that'll give her like the um like the confidence to start yeah. doing it more and then i know like the competitive side to her will be like pissed off that she's on an e-bike and that we're not um, and so yeah. she'll just want to be like all Trying right extra. yeah yeah and and i think so that's my like secret goal we'll see hopefully she's not listening to podcast right hey that would <laughs> yeah i mean that would be that would be ideal yeah i mean I'm so lucky to have a partner who's completely, you know, supportive and, and on top of that, just as passionate about it as me, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Cause like, like I said, dude, like it takes up a lot of time if you really yeah. want to go do it. And so it's really nice to have him next to me the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think on the other end of it, it's like, I think what's key there you said is like having somebody that's supportive as well, you know, with her, she, um, she, she knows that I need that like for my yeah. sanity, yeah. you know, cause it's very apparent whenever I'll get in these funks sometimes where I'm like, Nope, not riding anymore. Don't even like bikes, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she'll be like, shut up, just yeah. go on a ride. Like, I don't care if it's with your friends or like, you need to get out with your bike. Like, don't talk to me about this anymore. You know, but. Which, I, yeah, like I said, like, I feel like that's the important, but dark side of biking to talk about. Like you yeah. don't have to love mountain biking every day. You know, some days yeah. you can take a break. Some days you can be like, man, this is dumb. Like, I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many times I have tried to tune my freaking derailleur and said, you know what? I quit. I'm selling the bike. I hate this. <laughs> like, it's for me. Anytime I have to do mechanic shit on my bike, I'm like, screw this. I quit. Like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt that way back when there used to be a front derailleur. I, so I was the, probably the happiest mountain biker in the world whenever they were like, so we're going to do one by. And I was like, okay. Oh so let me ask this question then, because I just got a gravel bike. Why are there, why are there, why is there a front derailleur on a gravel bike? I think what it really comes down to is that, because um, I asked the sim a similar question, and I think it depends on what kind of riding that people are doing. And so if you're doing rides that are, that have a lot of like flat land in them, yeah, you really want that like huge pie plate gear so oh, that you can just lay down the watts on the on the flats but whenever you're climbing you're like this still sucks so. yes okay like it was so funny because as i was telling you i had no idea about the mountain bike race bike i got the gravel bike shipped me and i pull it out of the box and i was like okay first of all what is this like what is this front derailleur and then second of all i didn't even know how to adjust the seat because it has like a wedge in the seat instead of like a seat clamp and like, I swear, I pulled a bike out and I'm like, I swear I know how to ride bikes, but I literally don't even know how to adjust the seat on this thing. Like it's a totally different planet. <laughs> it's funny with some of the, the, some of the companies they'll have some kind of like proprietary stuff on them. I had this, this, uh, gravel bike in the past that had this weird, like button on the axle and it was just some kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it made sense to them why it was there, but for me, like. <laughs> 
it would just screw me up every time. And I'd be like, how the hell do I get this damn thing? Where I'd get it off real easy. And then I'd be trying to get it back on. I'm like, yes. oh my God, I just want to throw this thing out the window. Dude, I know. And like, again, I, I just think I, it's probably the fact that I have zero patience and I'm like not willing to learn something new. Cause like for the longest time I rode SRAM and then I got a Shimano group set. And like the one thing I like, and I, I, I like SRAM better. I need to go back. But like the SRAM one to take the wheel off, you can like, pull the pulley arm down and there's like a little button that you could stop the pulley arm from swinging back up and like yeah, it yeah. doesn't have a clutch and i'm You're like, like why doesn't every driller ever since the minute like beginning of time have okay thank you right i'm like this <laughs> makes sense it's so easy to work on and then i get this shram thing or the shimano thing and my husband's like oh yeah you just use your six arms and 23 hands to take the wheel <laughs> off and i was like first of all what's a clutch like why, yeah. why is there a clutch on this thing and yeah. yeah, so it's so funny. Like every time I take the wheel off of my like Shimano group sets, I'm just like, this is stupid clutch. Like I can't get this. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It is. Yeah, so I'm funny. one of those people that uh, I love the the SRAM drivetrain, but Shimano brakes all day long. I uh, yeah, I, I'm still running code RSCs, which yeah. everybody loves throwing so much shade at my codes. And I, I put some Hayes Dominions on mm -hmm. the race bike, and those are actually really rad. So I might put some Hayes on, yeah, on the enduro bike too. Yeah, I've never used I've never used their stuff, so they're, I they're pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, I I really like, and I I don't know, does Hayes have similar modulation as SRAM? Like um, it, no, it's it's a little bit closer to Shimano, but it's got a little bit more play than Shimano. Um, yeah. The XTs I've always felt were way too on off for me. The Dominions, yeah. and I think I wonder if it's because my Dominions have a longer lever mm -hmm. that it feels like it has more play. I think if you got one of those single finger hook levers on it, the Dominions would be pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just like whatever you. I mean, it's like religion or something like that, you know. Because honestly, there's not really a good reason to why I prefer that. Yeah, feeling a, a like like in my mind when when people say oh Shimano has that on off, in my mind I'm like oh well your brain just figures out like how to modulate that exactly, and then I feel like I don't have to like like, and I'm gonna over exaggerate this, but like with SRAM I feel like I have to grab the lever and push it through the handlebar sure. to my seat post before oh, it's sure. like locked up. You know, exactly. and so I think that is the problem when it's like you go from SRAM to Shimano, there's so night and day on it. Yeah. And it's so funny, right? Because like um, the SRAM brakes, they use um, syringes when you do the bleeds. And I mm -hmm. always pressurize my syringe before I close the system. And any mm -hmm. SRAM mechanic you talk to, they're like, do not do that. And I was like, well, yeah, but if I don't do it, I'm doing exactly what you said. You're pulling the lever through the grip where I was mm -hmm. like a, a Shimano brake set you literally just use the cup and it's so yeah. on off. So I will say like, I, I have to bleed my brakes in a kooky way. And now yeah. that I've really sat back and thought about that, I was like, wait, like this is so stupid that I'm using brakes that I have to like freaking jailbreak to get them to a point that I like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 For me, that's the, I, I even recently tried TRP because a lot of people say they're, they're in, in between and they're a hundred percent in between. Like, okay. Definitely not as bitey as the the X as like Shimano. I usually use the Saints, yeah. and then um, but uh, not a, as much modulation as SRAM. Interesting. Okay, so I'm wondering, Hayes Hayes and TRP are probably pretty similar, then I guess. Yeah, possibly they're. Um, I, I will say I, I really enjoyed them, and then I have these um, levers by this this third party company that just like 
they feel so good. Like oh. the only way I can explain it is like to um oh shoot, I hope somebody in the comments can tell me what the name of the company is right now so I can remember. But um uh anyways, they just like it's only only other bikers would get it where you're like, hey, come over, put your hand on my brakes. Yeah, you know? and they're like, oh, that feels so good. You know? Yes. So uh, okay, they, that's they, how I feel about the Saints, though, with like the the one finger and two finger hook hook ones with mm -hmm. that little like um the little like dimples in it. Like, oh, they feel yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it, to me. I think the reason that I like them so much is that it reminds me of the Saints because it has that real real aggressive kind of hook in it, yeah. where it's just like one finger. It's just like super pretty small you know brake lever so ah, um, yeah you're gonna make me buy new brakes tonight dude right <laughs> so um yeah i mean it, it's 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 interesting like how how different you know we one person is to see the next on on components like that and it, it it's one of those things whenever i see people talking or asking for advice in forums or like facebook groups or something like that where there's no wrong answer <laughs> yeah and it's like you really like you're really only gonna get the answer of like the person who's giving it and not like exactly. truly this is what work could work for you Dude, exactly and you know what and it's so funny because right you ride for fazari i ride for Jameis, both fantastic bikes and whenever someone comes up and they're like hey what bike should i buy i'm like honestly dude like the modern full suspension mountain bike nowadays, every single one is going to be amazing. Like you're yeah. not going to buy a bad bike from a big brand, you know? And so, yeah. but you are correct. Like brakes, like a frame is, is very, uh, is this or that it, sometimes, but like, yeah, you're right. Brakes, like they have a feel, but for a first time where it's like, dude, all of them are going to stop your bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. really what we're looking for. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, and to be honest, the only way that you know that your brakes suck is to get better ones. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> once again, full circle, ignorance is bliss, right? Just yeah. drive the crappy brakes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember going from whatever Shimano hydraulic brakes came on this one particular, it was like the first time I had hydraulics. Oh, dude, like, and, the, like are these like the OEM Dior type brakes? I don't even remember what they yeah. would have been, you know. It wouldn't have been like XD, put it like that. It was like, and this was like a long time ago, like yeah. 2006 or something. And I, I remember I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to upgrade to XTs. That's what everybody oh, yeah. says. Good. And I remember the first time I pulled the, the brakes on, on a ride. And I almost felt like I thought I was going to go over the handlebars because I like yanked them so hard. And it was yes. like, holy shit, man. That was my first experience with XTs too. I was like, how am I not moving anymore so suddenly? <laughs> it was nuts. Yeah. And it's funny. So now I'm like, okay. And now I'm running like 220, you know. Yes, I, know like, I need the biggest, beefiest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm 160 pounds, but I'm like, I need e-bike brakes. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm still bitching. I'm like, well, I don't know, man. These feel like the is bungee. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think also riding out here is, is a big portion of it as well, where we have really long, sustained downhills that, yeah. you know, um, it, you just don't have that. I mean, probably where you're at as well. You guys have some pretty, pretty yeah, we big. Have, we have like there. a we have a 48 minute on average if you're riding it just like fun it's like 48 minutes down and you better have some good brakes for it yeah yeah and and you know riding some like when i went back to pennsylvania 
when I did a climb that was like 2000 feet of climbing and, and I expected to get on the bike and just, um, in my mind, I thought I was going to get down the hill in like 10 minutes, yeah. you know, and it, and it took me like 40 because the way that their trails are is like, not like out here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and so it was, it, it, it made me realize we're out here. It's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're going 20 miles an hour or more. Yeah. And you're, you're in some of those sections where you're just kind of feathering yeah. all you're doing. is just like heating those things up, you know, for sure. Like, I, and it's, it's interesting. We're talking breaks, right. Cause like, and I was saying like you write, if you read park all the time, your bike gets so clapped out. But like the mm -hmm. one thing I will not cheap out on is brakes. Right. Mm -hmm. And like a, a good wheel set too. like when a wheel shatters, that could be like, that sucks when you shatter a wheel, like you could yeah. crash really bad on it. But like, Otherwise, like if you have a park bike, like I'm putting the crappiest nine speed drivetrain I can find on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't need XX1 on that stuff. And so it is kind of interesting. Like I've never been like, oh, I'm going to buy the cheap brakes though. Cause it's like, Jesus, like if there was a situation where they overheated or you couldn't stop, like that'd be insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, probably not as much for people that are beginner riders or that are skinny. Um yeah that the carbon wheel set to me, like, cause I, I'm, I'm over 200 pounds. I'm like 250 pounds, you know? So like the carbon wheels for me, the first time I rode them, it was like, oh my God, these feel so like planted where they're at. You know, I didn't yes. realize how much play there were in it. And, and I would imagine somebody that's riding at a similar level to you as well. You can really feel the difference in that, in the wheel yeah. set. This is that's really interesting actually because my race bike has carbon wheels on it, but my enduro bike has aluminum. And mm -hmm. I have probably 400 miles on the race bike now. And the last ride that we were on, I stopped and I was chatting with my husband. I was like, you know, I don't actually think I love the feel of carbon wheels because mm -hmm. to your point, they're very planted and they don't really feel like they want to flex as much mm -hmm. as an aluminum wheel. So, like, like I like again, always taking the bitchy line. Like I love like really like hitting corners and chopping corners and stuff like that. And the the carbon wheels just they just mm, they stay. Yeah. Whereas like the aluminum set that I have does have this like nice play in it that I just mm -hmm. enjoy. Um, yeah. So it sounds kind of funny to be like, oh, I don't like the super expensive, you know, fourteen hundred dollar wheel set over the six hundred. You, wheel you set. said you're like one hundred and fifty pounds is what you or a hundred a hundred and sixty. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, what what brand are they by? Um, they're her um oh my lord, it begins with an H. So it's a Sun Ringle brand. I think I can like picture the brand in my mind with an H logo, it's but Sun I can't. Sun Ringle's brand. I'm gonna I'll yeah. I'll yell it out in like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. But I, what I was gonna say is some some carbon layups are definitely more flexy than others. Yeah. So I, so I bet you I, because I think this one has a smaller internal diameter, I'm sure it's a lot more of like the straight edge type one. Yeah, yeah. And and me personally, and I think for me, the reason that I like the rigid ones is because of my size. Like even when I'm at my lightest, let's just say I'm like 215 or 220, you yeah. know, and that is like, I don't want to be any skinnier than that, you know, like, yeah. and, yeah. and wheels are, are definitely not made like with that size rider in mind. Dude, yeah. I, know. <laughs> you know I mean, especially Dude, like, that size rider. I, I mean, even I, I went through three wheel sets this year and, and two frames and yeah. uh, two forks and two shocks. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm not mm. that heavy, but if you ride like an idiot, you're going to break your stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you're you're putting a lot of force into it. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to do with. I, I realized that I asked you how much you weigh. I probably shouldn't have done that. Oh no, 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 no! It, it's super, it's super valid though, because dude, yeah, yeah, I shattered the damper on my fork in May, and mm -hmm. it was crazy because we were like, we were working on um a, a shoot for like a new trail that a bike park was opening, and there was this step down. And I landed the step down just like a little bit short and I was following mm -hmm. somebody. And when I landed the damper in my fork broke into three pieces oh, and wow. my friend, he like slammed on his brakes and jumped off his bike and started running back towards me. And I like rode out of this thing. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh my God. Like I thought your back broke because this like metal was like snapping in my fork. Oh wow. And it was so crazy because like the fork was obviously rigid after that. And we, we took it off the bike and you could shake it and you could hear the damper like shaking around. Oh, wow. I like a rattle. <laughs> yes. And so it's funny, right? Because it's like, yeah, dude, like a, a, a tiny 160 pound person can also just totally bust a fork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and sometimes you don't even, weird shit happens. Yeah. You know, at, at the end of the day, just, I, I mean, I... I had a fork fail on me once rolling off of like a six inch rock oh, God. and, and it, it just, you know, it was just the day that that was going to happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned you, you ride for Jameis. Yes. What yep. do you, what are you riding with them? What do you like? I, I am on their uh, hard line. It's their 160, 160 Enduro. And, uh, it's a pretty unique bike because it's, it's full 27.5 platform. So one thing mm -hmm. I haven't said is I have pretty much only been on 27.5, save for that Trek X caliber I bought way back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always been a fan of that smaller wheel size, um, but I think it's more so I'm a fan of a very short wheelbase because mm -hmm. I, I I do love like, you know, hitting corners and like just sliding a little bit more. It's easier to move around a shorter bike, right? Um, so yeah, we're on 27.5, 160, 160. And uh, the thing is very aggressive and ready to like, really take a beating um Do they still use that like was it like 3do 3do yeah, yeah yeah which is interesting um because i've been reading up a lot on the guy who like developed 3do because he's developed actually quite a few different linkage designs yeah he he's doing that ministry bike i had him on the yes. show a while ago oh really yeah. oh i would love to listen to that yeah because i mean that guy's like uh, he's so technically minded like he I, yeah. I think i would love to talk to him um but it is it is cool because the way the 3BO set up on the Jameis, the easiest way I could uh, describe it, it's a little bit like the DW link that is set up on like an Ibis Ritmo. Mm -hmm. It's a bike that like really wants to stay on the ground when you're like trail riding. Um, but it does have a very good progressive curve to it as you really mm -hmm. crush it down. So I was running air on it for a while and that thing popped like crazy and then I actually put a coil on it towards the end of the season. And that is the sweet spot for me. So I have a linear coil on that more progressive link design and it feels mm -hmm. really, really good. It's a very good, happy medium between like the jumping poppiness, but still being really planted on the trail. Yeah, no, I think that's a good, good spot to be in. You know, yeah. I, um, I didn't ride coil for a long time and a couple years, like two years ago now or something like that was the first time I got a, a coil. Yeah. And it just like blew my mind how good it feels to to be that planted. Yes. But you can still have them still be like, you feel like if you would say something's that planted that you wouldn't be able to say it's poppy too. It's, I you, know. you know what I mean? I know. And, and, a, and a good, what, what coil are you running on there? I'm running a Fox uh, DHX. 
So, right but, but I'm running a, a 400 pound coil, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because every calculator is putting me closer to a 300 pound coil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do probably want to get a 350. Now that mm-hmm. we're done with park season and I've spent more time on trails, it does feel a little, um, a little hard. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to try a lighter coil on it. And that's just one thing I'm not used to. Cause obviously with an air, you just pump it up or drop the pressure. Yeah, yeah. So I need to get yeah. a couple different coils, I think. Yeah. A couple different springs. They, the yeah. other thing too is, um, I, I, I work with EXT and they have a new air shock that's supposed to be we'll just say allegedly i haven't ridden it myself yet but allegedly it feels just like a coil so are, and you, there's on the, one... are you on the astoria right now then yeah yeah that's the one I yeah have. my husband has that on his new group giga that's a that's a gorgeous shock oh yeah yeah it's, it's awesome yeah and it feels just um i i i the best thing i can say is that when I started riding that coil, it made me really just want to go back 10 years and just punch myself in the face and be like, buy the damn coil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, um, what, what I was going to say is they have an air shock and then SRAM has one out too. SRAM? Is it? No. Rock shocks. Um, yeah. they, they have one out too. That's supposed to be similar. And one of my buddies, he had uh, Olin's on his common saw. Like yeah. big bike, like a 170. Yeah. And he put that air on there, that new one. And uh, he, he's like loving it. Like really? really now, yeah. have you ever ridden a coil fork? Have you ever done like a spring fork? Mm-hmm. How's that? Um, I, I think that um, it's a similar feeling. Okay. You know, where, where and, and maybe, you know, t- for me, because of my size, I just like the way that it, it feels, um, it definitely has like a nice, like even flow to it kind of, you know, the the ones that I was riding was a long time ago. They were, they were by, um, Cannondale. They're lefty was originally, originally or a spring in it, you know, but, um, but I'm riding the EXT fork now. And honestly, um, it's it, you can tell it's like a high performance kind of fork. I mean, you know, or, yeah, like EXT, the the way their branding is positioned and the way the the equipment looks, like everything about that brand is like so expensive and so fancy looking. Like, yeah, yeah, Whew, that that yeah. that because um Sam, my husband Sam, he he has a white and gold nuke proof Giga with this white and gold Astoria uh, coil on it and. I just cannot tell you how many comments and compliments he's got about that bike being like, dude, that bike looks sick. So. Right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that he he enjoys the the coil as well. Everybody, I've talked a bunch of my friends into the EXT stuff, and every one of them has also been like equally impressed. But you know, sometimes you're like, I was going to say, I don't think that that's not too hard of a sale. I'm imagining. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it's definitely. Um, it's good stuff. So you're enjoying though. You're in, you're really enjoying the way that the bike feels. What were you yes. riding before? Say that again. What were you riding before, Jameth? Yeah, I was on a Kona a Kona Process 153 that I Frankensteined out to be a 160 mm-hmm. 160. Um, and yes, I I do like the Jameth better. It's got a little bit of a shorter wheelbase, and it just feels like a little bit of a newer geometry on that. Mm-hmm. But it is a good point. Um, I was so nervous 
you know, getting a sponsor, getting a new bike. Cause like, I've never really been the person to like buy a new bike every year. Like I had that Kona forever. And like the poor thing is like, so clapped out. And so I was like, Holy cow. Like, what if this bike is like, like, I don't, what if I can't ride it? Like, what if I'm not mm-hmm. good at riding this bike? You know? So I was like actually very, very nervous um, mm-hmm. getting it, but it was one of those things that kind of like out, out of the box, I was like, Oh dang, like this is what a new, like nice modern bike feels like. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's, I've been very, very pleased with it. And I will say because it is a shorter wheelbase, I've found that it feels pretty hectic when you go like over 29 miles an hour on it. You're like, dang, Mm -hmm. it feels like, like it feels like you're going really fast. So Mm -hmm. I think if you get on a bike, like a transition Sentinel, like those big long bikes probably be a little bit more planted, but like Mm -hmm. I prefer having like the agility of the smaller wheels on the shorter base. So you're, you're speaking my language there. Honestly, I, I, um, Road 27.5 for a long time. And on it, I only went to 27.5 because it was like, well, 26 is dead. So <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to do this, you know? And um, I think for me, I just really like how flicky and how a 27.5 wheel, I just feel like I really can, I'm a hundred percent in control of where I want it to be at. Absolutely. And, and I've been riding a mullet this season. And How is it? I like it. I definitely okay. like it. Um, but I'm not going to lie that to me, a 29er front wheel still feels like a 29er. It feels mega me. huge, right? I know. Because everyone's like, oh, like, have you ever got like hung up in stuff? Or like, oh, your front tire gets stuck on stuff. I was like, dude, like a situation where an inch and yeah. a half is going to save you from going OTB or not. It's like pragmatically yeah. that's non-existent. You know what I mean? I feel like my brain gets used to it after a little bit of riding either a 29er or like in this case, a, a, a mullet, For sure. but initially I can tell that the steering is slower and yeah. it like, it may, it feels to me like, like the wheel kind of gets to pick where it wants to go. And like, you're negotiating, you're yeah. like, no, I want to go this way. And it's like, how about we just go this, how about right about here? Does yeah. that sound good? We're going to go where I want to go. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, that's the way I felt about 29ers whenever they very first came out yeah. and like it's light years better than it was then, but yeah. I still can notice that little bit. And even as a, a bigger guy when i first put on 29er wheels like i'll feel a little bit more of a flex out of it than i will in my my 27.5 wheel and yes. they'll both be like like at the time that i i what i'm specifically thinking about right now they were both nd wheels which are both known to be super stiff yeah. they were both built the same way like yeah. um it's just i noticed just that little little tiny bit and yes. i feel like for me the 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 mullet is kind of like um like it's getting harder and harder to find a full 27.5 bike you know? i agree and, and i'm saying i wonder if it's just gonna completely die you know because look at um evil they had like the calling that was 27.5 that died um yeah. the mojo hd5 that ibis had that died that was a full 27.5 yeah. When Santa Cruz, um, all their all their twenty seven five, yeah. they switched to mullets. So yeah, I, it's it's you know I've had that same question in my mind whether or not it just goes away because it's such a like, valid bike setup. I mean, twenty six was too though, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think that um, 
I hope that 27.5 doesn't completely go away. And and I think that it's a really good wheel size, especially for, for people that are shorter, you know, or people that have, you know, what like a, I was saying, like BMX. What, bike a crazy, what a good point. So I'm, I'm six foot tall, so I'm not mm -hmm. short. I ride a large bike. Um, mm -hmm. But it's so funny because I do see these, like, these, like, women who are like five foot three, five foot two, and they're on like a 29er. And yeah. I'm just like, girl, like your legs are shorter than that bike. It's like that has yeah. to be insane to drive that around. Ooh. Yeah, I would imagine it just feels like a lot of work. It's but it, I think when people are doing it, they're they don't. It's kind of like you were talking about, like ignorance is bliss. Yeah, you know. And if, if you had put them on a, a 26 inch wheel or a 27.5, they when they started, they would be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this feels good. Yeah. So uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I, I I'm. I will say though, um, and I hate to say this out loud, but um, recently I blew up my my rear hub on my wheel set that was mullet, right? Okay. And um, I put on a set of 29er wheels because that's the other set that I had in my garage and instantly started PR in a bunch of my, uh. my rides. So I will say that the mullet hands down to me is way more fun. Yeah. But that 29er, like I, I can't argue with my Strava, like instantly, like almost everything that I started riding. Dude, it's because but, like you said, the 29er wheel wanted to go where it wanted to go. And it was just yeah. picking better lines than you, I yeah. guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, and you know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like when 29ers, like the way that they ramp up in speed, yeah, it it feels like it feels like you hit the little star in like in in Super Mario Brothers. It, it holds speed really well, right? But I, even the way that it like it gets to there, yeah. like I feel like you feel like like you got a little boost. Yeah, where where maybe I would have put in another crank and on the twenty seven five. Yeah, where it's like oh my god, we're here. We're, wow, dude, you I know? do agree. The other great thing about the twenty uh, the twenty nine er, I feel like it's a little easier to change the tires. Like, yeah. dude, the DH casings on a 27.5, like, good Lord, it is so hard to rip those things on and off the wheel. I feel like the 29ers are a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, may maybe maybe it's a, a rim thing, too. You never know, right? Know. Like, is it the wheel? Is it, I don't know. That's another thing that makes me want to quit mountain biking is just like, oh, Christ, I have to change my tires again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for a long time, I, I I felt like I was I was really good with them and, uh, I also would run Kushcore a lot and, yeah. and like when people would be like, that sucks. So I'd be like, nah, I can do it. But I had these envies that had this other rim strip on it too. And between the rim, the extra rim strip and the oh, Kushcore, I almost was like, you know what? This is the day I quit mountain Exactly. Exactly. Stop the bike. This is not the sport for me. F it all. I'm done. Right. Know, yeah. All of a sudden just looking at my skis on the wall going, you know, there's probably better things to do. This these winter. skis treat me better. They don't break as often. <laughs> Well, there's so much that um, I, I wish we would have got a chance to talk to you, but holy cow, two hours goes by quick. Yeah, it's been <laughs> you know? a great conversation, dude. Yeah, for sure. I always like to ask people at the end of the show what um, YouTube channels they like to watch, even if it has nothing to do with biking, just because it's super fun to, um, you know, find some new stuff that maybe you didn't watch before. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So some of my favorite YouTube channels. Well, I have to plug my own. Um, mm -hmm. zero to one twenty-five of Vapor Trail Race Series. That is the journey of of me going on this stupid training expedition to do this one hundred and twenty-five mile race. So please go check that out, and you can see how idiotic this truly is. Um, 
the the one of the other ones I, and I don't really know if it's so much of a channel but a person I really like watching and my favorite writer right now um is Vero Sandler and Talis Turk um mm -hmm. Talis Turk is one of my favorite free riders he's like a super young dude um like up and coming out of out of Utah like riding out of Virgin so like not so much a channel but literally anytime Talis Turk is in a video I'm like running to watch it glued to it because his style and his like artistic writing is just so inspirational. Like I want to be Talis Turk when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's super fun. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And like I said, I really had a good time chatting with you. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with, with everybody here at the biker bar. So it was a lot of fun, <laughs> definitely uh, good times. And I'm excited to see what happens in September. Oh, whenever yeah, right. you... yeah, dude, I appreciate it. Have a great night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All of you guys that hung around all the way to the end, the links to Amanda's YouTube channel as well as her Instagram are in the show notes for the, the show. So even if you're listening on, on one of the podcast apps, you can still find it over there. And uh, do me a favor, if you haven't already and you're on Instagram, giving her a follow, give me a follow as well. So I really enjoy watching those numbers grow. It really helps keep my motivation up. So it's a good time. And as I said at the beginning of the show, Thanks to Fazari and, and Tasco for, for helping me out this next year. So do me a favor and help support the guys that are supporting me. And if you just want to do something for free, remember, it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one. <laughs>